Hello, bridge builders, change makers, and just bomb human beings. Welcome to Can Black People Grow Hair, a podcast created to bridge the racial gap between the black and white communities by inspiring intentional engagement and encouraging vulnerable conversations. I'm your host, Andrea Crystal, and today we're going to chat about how common sense is not always so common, even in 2021. I want us to dive into how to create spaces where we as Black people challenge our judgments of those who prove not to know as much as we expect them to. So let's just dive on in and get this party started. Now, let me first address a quick question because you may be wondering what is up with the title of this podcast? And I can understand why it's kind of a weird title, but let me give you a little bit of some background. So years ago, I was friends with someone who asked me if black people could grow hair. She was white and it was just such a nonchalant conversation. We were just hanging out like normal. And I feel like we were having a conversation about (laughs) about Beyonce wearing a weave. And I think that sparked her thought of can black people grow hair? So she asked me and I was just like, yeah, yeah, black people can grow hair. It's just like anyone else. You know, we have different hair textures. Some grows, you know, faster than others or slower than others. I mean, it's just just like anyone else. And of course, she was like, oh, well, I thought so, but I wasn't quite sure. And then we just went and moved along in our conversation like nothing happened. And it got me thinking How many other people are out there wondering these same kinds of questions? And for some of us who might be thinking, that's just common sense. I mean, of course, black people can grow hair like that. Why would anybody ask that? The thing is that there are still so many people that truly just don't know, even in 2021. And I bet you are probably one of two people who are either thinking, that's ridiculous. Why in the world would anybody be wondering that? They can probably find that stuff out on on Google or you're someone that is asking yourself, well, can, can black people grow hair? You know, you're literally one of two people. And the thing is, is that there is a special sauce that folks can't get from just looking things up on the interwebs. Even if we want to automatically direct people there for questions that we feel are just ridiculous or something that we just don't want to take time to answer. And the special sauce is that there is power that is in the personal stories of in real life human exchanges. If you're black listening to this, there is power in your story. Because unless you're a Kardashian or like Elon Musk, Siri will not have the answer to what your experience is. I can't have anyone just go ask Siri, hey, Siri, so what's Andrea's experience as a black person with sunburn? Siri's going to be like, uh, girl, I don't know. Ask Google. Even Siri's not going to have an answer for that. The Internet may be able to provide information. But you can't rely on it to provide people with all of the context that's needed to truly understand the diversity of blackness, because we're we're a diverse people. 
If we're tired of being lumped into one group, then we need to start showing up in the world as the unique individuals that we are and sharing with people that uniqueness. And we can only do that by answering some of these questions that may seem a little out there to us, but are truly something that people are wondering and are requesting information on to make genuine connection. Books, podcasts, and Google searches, they're only one-way conversations, and they will always, always have their limits when it comes to being effective teachers. And that is on any topic, really. I mean, they're great places for someone to start, and they provide many helpful resources that Black folks can refer people to. And they're even an easy route to anti-racism, but I'm sorry, I hate to burst your bubble because they're also the laziest form of anti-racist efforts. And these are efforts of which are not just the responsibility of white folks to engage in, but they're also ours as black folks. Now, I, I get and I understand that maybe calling it the laziest form of anti-racist efforts sounds harsh, and it might make you cringe a little bit on the inside, I understand, but I'm sorry, but I, I, I have to stand by that statement. And I believe it because... There's no real accountability partner to be found in the pages of a book. Podcasts, they can't respond back to you. They can't call you out on your biases. And um, audiobooks, they're great. I love them. (laughs) But they, um, they don't provide an explanation for things that you've heard, but don't really understand. They don't respond back to you, which is why choosing just to use the default response of, Google it or with all the books out there, you should know better. Or why are you asking me? That's what the internet is for. That's why to me, it's the laziest form of anti-racism. These kinds of responses, I mean, in in a sense, they, they kind of force people to rely on whatever it is they read, see, or hear to tell them what's true. And uh, from narratives that we have no real say in and no control over. So essentially, they come to us with a question. We tell them to Google it. They leave us no wiser than they came. They go get their truth from the media, from maybe Susie Q next door, who makes it a lifestyle to avoid people of color like the plague, or whatever else they might be able to get some answers from without ever actually risking any real vulnerability. Because guess what? They already got thoroughly shut down by us by the very people they were trying to make a connection with. They'll be like, okay, great, thanks. I feel awkward now. Going to go to Google, figure it out. We can't be anti-racist and build walls at the same time. So there comes a point when we have to ask what we're committed to. Is it the 24-7, 365 mission of opposing racism? Or are you more committed to building walls Because you'd rather invest your energy in finding fault with someone for not having all the answers, you know, as if uh, we are so blameless and all-knowing. Look, this is not at all, so don't misunderstand me, this is not about giving people a hall pass to not take ownership of their own education. Okay, this is about playing a supporting role in bringing additional context to whatever they are already learning on their own. And 
there's uh, kind of this interesting parallel that I was thinking about. I just, it had been on my heart, I don't know, maybe for the last month or so, that even helped bring some clarity to myself. And it's that we don't fault students for needing teachers when they already have textbooks with all the information. So why do we do it to one another? I mean, these kids are in school. They get math books. They get science books. They get sent home to, you know, do their homework like they should. But if they come back to school and ask their teacher to explain something they read about, these teachers, if they're a good one, they're not saying, why are you asking me? I gave you a book. Shoot, go read it. (laughs) You know, they're not doing that. I mean, if like I said, if they're a good teacher, they understand that their role is to help supplement and be an addition and be a resource to help support all of the information that's already in the curriculum that their students have. And really, that's our role too, to be a support, to be an addition, and to help validate what someone is already learning in their awareness walk. So what I have to say in response to Black folks that are feeling uh, tired or annoyed or frustrated with being asked questions that they feel like are common sense or just being asked questions in general that they just don't feel like answering, what I have to say in response to that is, look, feel your feelings, okay? Feel them. I get it. I have been there. I will be there in the future. We will both be there at some point again and again and again. I understand. I understand what it feels like to want to just be another human in a room and not have to feel like you need to play 20 questions with people you barely know. I understand. I get it because we're all we're all just people having our own unique experiences here on earth full of joy and sadness and uh, excitement, pain and wins and losses and We are all carrying stuff with us into each interaction that we have with one another. So because we're humans carrying stuff into each other's interactions, there is bound to be potential for friction. But there's also so much potential for understanding if we're willing to meet each other halfway. And I believe it is absolutely possible to feel all the feels and lean into moments with others at the same time. You don't have to pick one or the other, even though in the moment it can feel that way. You can feel annoyed and still lean into tough and awkward conversations. Or, you know, another option is that if you feel like you're just not in the position to chat at the moment, maybe something gets brought up, you're just not in the right headspace or whatever. I mean, you it's still your decision to talk or not to talk to someone. You can still have a say in the narrative by maybe suggesting to arrange a call or a Zoom chat with them at a later time. I've done this before. Um, maybe I just, I wasn't in the mood. Sometimes you're just not in the mood. You're not in the right headspace, didn't get enough sleep, whatever. Um, I've done this before and you'd be surprised by the amount of people that are receptive to that, you know, mainly because that kind of uh, vulnerability and those kind of opportunities is not often the norm to have someone offer to 
talk to you about a tough thing, but maybe maybe at a later time, you know, those kinds of moments of opening yourself up is not the norm and yet it should be. So, I want to I want to remind you that we cannot oppress racism and build walls at the same time. The two they do not in any respect share the same mission which is unity, or I should say which should be, unity, equality, community, and celebration of diversity. So let's try and take those bricks that you may want to instinctively use to build walls and you're feeling annoyed, inconvenienced, or if you're reacting out of habit, and use them to build a bridge instead, something that both parties can walk across and meet in the middle of. Thank you for listening to Can Black People Grow Hair? I hope that this episode brought value to you as we validated that there is power in our individual and unique stories, something that no article or chapter in a book can tell others about the diversity of black life, which is something that has power to diminish the regurgitation of false information. In today's episode, we challenged ourselves to not just phone in anti-racist efforts to avoid inconvenience. We acknowledge that opposing racism while building walls to keep people out is counterproductive. We also gave ourselves enough grace to feel the feels while we take steps towards meeting people halfway. Even if halfway sounds a lot like, can black people grow hair? I hope you'll join me next week as we dive into another topic together. But until then, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at It's Andrea Crystal. And if you're down for inviting others to be bridge builders too, I would love it if you'd rate and review the podcast and share this episode wherever your favorite people are hanging out. So that is all for today. Keep building bridges instead of walls and we'll talk again soon.